All right, everybody. We are here with uh, author Martha Wells, uh, and we we got a couple of questions for her. We're going to be talking mainly about uh, the Murderbot Diaries, uh, which I've uh, talked about and Nick has read uh, last week, even. Yeah. Um, so uh, we just have a few questions. We'll go for there. Nick and I were both wondering about this question, where you uh, Murderbot uh, or Rin, uh, as they're sometimes called, is a very apprehensive character has a very doesn't want to get involved involved attitude and i'm wondering if what's the challenge there to actually get the character involved and engaging with the the plot of the book when really they're they're over it and murderbot himself or uh itself would rather just sit and watch television well it's usually i have to give murderbot something it absolutely has to do right uh, especially in the first book the or not the first book the uh, artificial condition when it's basically free and it could do whatever it wants. Right. It has decided before it can kind of move on, it has to find out what actually happened to it in the past. Right. So it's just a matter of giving it motivations that are realistic for the character. Um, I think in later books, there's one, or in the, the Rogue Protocol, which is the next book, it's or the next novella, it has to, um, it needs to help Dr. Mensah with something that it feels like, um, it's it, again. If, if it does that, it can close that chapter of its life. Right. So it's basically just about giving it motivations that fit with the character. Sure. Um, does that mean the first book was easier to write than the uh, than maybe the middle two? Yes, it was. Um, I'm not really sure why the first book I, I wrote it or the it's a novella, so it's under under forty thousand words. Right. Um, I think they it it took me about a month to write it, which is is pretty good for me. Uh, I thought the others would be about that quick, and they each took three or four times as long. Oh, wow. Part of the problem is the character's perspective is so complicated when its ability to see from security cameras and to get into different systems. So you really have to take all that information into account. Mm -hmm. Action scenes a lot more complicated. (laughs) Right. Um, Well, um, that actually leads into a question I have about... um writing novellas versus novels what's the the biggest difference here for some of our listeners who uh who maybe aren't so familiar with novellas what's the difference for you for writing them uh why did you choose to do that for murderbot and does that uh, affect maybe making murderbot a series versus a standalone well um a novella is basically around 30 to forty thousand words which is about one-third to one-fourth at the size of a normal book. Right. I think the copies we have in our collection are about 200 pages. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Um, novellas have been a, 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 in science fiction and fantasy, has been a, a form for a long time. Right, they absolutely. They kind of went out of fashion for a while because they were expensive to produce. Mm. But once e-books started up, they kind of started up again. And mm-hmm. actually, the publisher, Tor.com, uh, does some novel-length work, but primarily it's a novella publisher. Um okay. The reason I did Murderbot that way was because it was originally a short, going to be a short story. It was going to be a short story with a sad ending. Okay. I was writing it. It really started to feel like this needs more. I, this needs a longer length. I, um, it needs, um, you know, it needed more story there. And so a novella length was pretty perfect for it. Um, I didn't originally think about doing it as a series until um, the publisher had, well, they wanted to. And I was like, I really enjoy writing this. So I really mm-hmm. did do another one and then when i ended up doing four and i'm actually doing a novel now for the okay. series 
the difference is you kind of have to control your subplots. In a novel, you have a lot more time to kind of right. bring in a lot of different detail and a different, you know, explore a lot of different avenues. And, right. and, and with a novella, you kind of really have to keep to your main plot to a large extent. Sure. Uh, I wanted to sort of circle back to something we were talking about earlier, and that's just sort of the personification, the character of Murderbot. And when I picked it up, I, I was... Uh, I was instantly hooked by Murderbot's kind of bad attitude. <laughs> you know, I, I thought that was a really, that was a, I thought that was a clever way to make the story feel really fresh and make that character just compelling and, and very readable. You know, I just, I like, I wanted to know what it was going to do next. And I, I enjoyed its kind of commentary on sitting back and watching like people be stupid and, you know, uh, and I just wondered as a writer, um, you know, what is that process like? Is it, is it fun is it fun for you to write somebody who has kind of a chip on their shoulder? Is it a is it an interesting exercise? Yeah, it it, it really is fun. It's just basically um, I usually in my other books I've written in the third person a lot. Mm -hmm. um, with Murderbot, it really started where every kind of mean or sarcastic thing I thought of, instead of trying <laughs> to suppress it, I just put it on the page. Yeah. Uh, from that character's perspective, and that was a lot of fun. It does; it's very cathartic in a lot of ways. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, I really like. I said I, I kind of related to that character, so I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> Maybe I have a bad attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. But but sticking with the character, so uh, Eric Eric read these quite a while ago, and I'm I'm newer to the series. And as we were discussing it, just the two of us, I kept referring to Murderbot as a she. And Eric was kept saying he, you know, and then we were like, well, did one of us read this wrong? You know, what what is it? So we looked it up, and of course, uh, it's it's without gender. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about about that. Uh, was that just sort of a necessity because it's a partially robotic character, or did you have a specific thought in mind about doing that, sort of taking gender away from it? Well, as I first started writing it, it started to seem like. It would it it was just natural and logical for a character that was a constructed life form that was not in, actually intended to be anything but sure. you know do this this one task mm -hmm. that it wouldn't have a gender and um, when I got into the part of the story where it was talking about the uh, the comfort units mm -hmm. and it has a real issue in realizing that it's pure luck that it was meant for security and not for. <laughs> this right and so as kind of a real um almost almost a real fear of uh being put in that position right so that's what one of the reasons why it's very comfortable with not having any kind of uh sexuality not having any kind of gender mm -hmm. so from your from your standpoint as the writer is that does that present certain challenges have you found you got to a spot and you you really have to sort of lean in one direction or the other or is it just you know, is it just, just work for the character and so it's not an issue for you? It's really not an issue. You just kind of have to, it's, it's, I'm, I've been writing for a long time, so I'm fairly used to, um, trying to imagine, you know, completely different physicalities and completely mm -hmm. sure. different, uh, mental systems. So, um, it's, it really wasn't a problem. Okay. In terms of the other, uh, the robots and this other story, like Art and, uh, and Mickey, I'm interested in what it's like to write them because uh, the general premise of Murderbot is that they are free uh, to do their own thing. Uh, they've gone, they've got rid of their uh, their blockade, so now they can just be themselves, basically. But 
uh, Murderbot still interacts with other robots who aren't that who aren't free, but you still end up giving characters like Art and Mickey personalities. And I just wonder, like, how do you do that with the restrictions that those characters still have? Well, um, Art doesn't really have a lot of restrictions. I'm not sure Murderbot completely understands that when it's mm. interacting with Art. Uh, Art is basically like HAL 9000, except <laughs> not, not completely homicidal. Right. Uh, or, you know, the impression of HAL 9000. I think the character in the book was actually is, was actually different. But right. um, So it's, it's a very, very powerful entity, basically. Um, Mickey is more like the conventional idea of what a companion robot would be like. Right. Um, which is stands out very dramatically in this world because so many uh, of the bots are not treated like that or, or are not are not viewed that way. And also, Mickey comes kind of from outside the the corporation rim, which is kind of the other the other territories out there, which you don't really or the reader doesn't and Murderbot doesn't really know anything about at this point. Right. I found with like Art and Mickey, there's almost like a dog sense of loyalty and sense of purpose in them. It is. They do have a, I wouldn't call it necessarily dog-like, but they right. do have a sense of purpose. And this is kind of a thing that makes them different from humans. Mm-hmm. Their purpose is ingrained in their existence. Mm-hmm. And sometimes humans have to kind of find a purpose for themselves. Right. They're basically created or born with this purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone asked me at one point, you know, was, is caring about people, is them caring about people programming or is it real? Mm. And it's sort of, well, it's when it's part of your existence, it's how you're created. Right. Uh, that's real. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what I go into a bit in the books is, is how different their existence is from human existence. Right. Well, I guess on that, it is Murderbot's sense of, uh, is Murderbot's bad attitude, I guess, maybe part of... <laughs> Uh, they're a robot now without a purpose. They have to make their own purpose and find their own purpose. And so all these other robots it meets are uh, so much seem so much happier and fulfilled and because they have one and now Murderbot doesn't. Is, was that uh, was that an idea you were using? Yeah. Uh, also, Murderbot is part lo- partly bot and partly human, right. which is what causes most of its problems. Right. Yes. Uh, and it's designed for a specific purpose, but with all the constraints on it, mm-hmm. uh, it was not really able to do that purpose effectively. Right. Um, and that's kind of one of the things is when it gets free, one of the things it, it, it feels compelled to do is the security work, and mm-hmm. but doing it in a much more effective way than it was able to do it when it was basically, you know, an enslaved being that had to do exactly what it was told as opposed to, and try to, you know, do its job under those constraints when... Um, it's actually a lot more effective when it's free. Right. Well, uh, I know outside of Murderbot, you have quite a few uh, other series and, and things that you're working on, a lot of short stories and um, a couple different novel series. I wanted to ask, what is the difference between when you're doing something that is part of your own, you know, just coming out of your own imagination where you have this complete freedom to explore uh, worlds and characters and that sort of thing. How does that differ from when you're working in something like, uh, you know, an established uh, series? Like I know you've done a couple of Stargates, you've done a Star Wars. How does that differ from when you just sort of have your own, you know, sandbox to play in? Um, I think it's harder to do to work in someone else's established series because you try to get things right and that often like there can be a huge volume of material that you have to work with um it depends on if it's a created fantasy series or if it's partially based in the real world that can be more difficult Mm -hmm. because you have to do a lot of real world you know research on these real world 
and also the fantasy aspects that people have already established. You have to try to get the characterization right. You have to try, if it's something where it's um, a TV or movie, you have to try to get the voices right. That the, Then usually the actors have a lot to do with that, You and you right, have yeah. to try to... <laughs> yeah convey those performances in prose so it's so it's actually a lot harder Mm -hmm. than your original world where you can basically do whatever you want my book club just finished doing uh, razor's edge your star wars books and i thought that you did a really nice job of capturing leia in particular and i wondered uh you know i know i know that was the beginning of the uh the the publisher was getting some you know bigger names sci-fi authors to work on that and then when the whole disney thing uh, that kind of stopped afterwards and i wondered was that something that they reached out to you and asked if you wanted to write Star Wars, or was it something that you were looking into, or how did that how did that come about? Yes, they they reached out to me through my agent. Okay. I had, um, they, I think they were trying to do uh, basically um, Star a, a Star Wars series yeah. where uh, different science fiction writers would do each one, mm-hmm. and um, it was going to be me and James S. A. Corey was going to do we did the second one. Yeah, I then, read I read his Han Solo. And there was, I think there were some others planned, but they only, um, but yeah, it got stopped before it really got started, basically. Yeah, yeah. Did you choose the, did you choose a Leia focus or was that what they approached you for? No, they asked me for a Leia book and originally I think it was just going to be just Leia and then they changed their mind a bit and decided they wanted the whole group mm-hmm. um, in each story or, you know, but it would focus on one particular character more. Well, that's all the questions we have. You've been very generous with your time this morning. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. I enjoyed it. Got your whole uh, Murderbot collection at our, our library, and I've enjoyed reading through those. And I'm I'm hoping some of our, our listeners are going to now pick them up for the first time. And are there any other books? If somebody had just picked up your Murderbot series for the, uh, the first time, is there one of your other books you might direct them to? I know you said you're doing a Murderbot novel soon. Yeah, the novel, the, number, the Murderbot novel is going to be called Network Effect, and it will come out next year in May. Okay. Um, the series I have that's complete now, well, the my, all my other series are complete, but right. uh, this recent one is the, it starts with The Cloud Roads. Okay. Um, it's a it's a five-book fantasy series with two books of novellas and short stories, and it's uh, all, all available now in um, either hardback or trade paperback and um, ebook and audiobook, except for the last one. The last one isn't out in the audiobook yet. It's, it's going to be re-released in uh, trade or in mass market paperback, the okay. first, at least starting in this November. So it'll be much easier to find in, in uh, paperback. But it's all out there in ebooks. So. All right. Well, thank you again for doing this. It's been a lot of fun uh, asking you these questions. Well, thank you. If you enjoyed this interview and you'd like to hear the full episode, you can find it at All the Books Show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcast.